Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you every night we do. Tonight's show is brought to you by Caffeine. That's right. We are riding off of Caffeine tonight. It is a, uh, it's been a long day. It's a long week. It's a long month. Hey, it's a long year. So much going on. We're going to be talking about all of it. Um, hopefully going to be kind of bumping into and talking a little bit about what's going on in the news this week. Uh, but as promised, we're going to get into a little bit of drum roll. The same things we needed as children are the same things we need as adults. And there's a beauty in that. There's a consistency. And if we can really hammer that out as adults either with our children as parents or as adults in our adult relationships, we then let that take, take itself forward. You know, we're always trying to work on changing what we are intergenerationally transmitting, you know, instilling and internalizing, uh, instilling in our children and what they are internalizing, but then also what we are spreading out based on all the different people we interact with, the advice we give, our thought processes. You know, that's what's awesome is it's all systemic uh, and we can start to make that change. And I'm always blown away by the people coming into my clinical practice, the patients that I work with, the, the the courage and the bravery to really look at who they are and who they want to be. And, you know, what is essentially that disconnection? Um, not everyone's willing to do that. Very few people are willing to do that. And I think it's necessary. You know, we are beings out in the world and we got a lot of things to worry about, a lot of things to focus on. I know, I mean, I don't want to overwhelm anybody, but think about what we need to think about. I'm just going to keep repeating words. In in the course of one day, you have to brush your teeth and floss twice. You want to make sure you're drinking six to eight glasses of water. You want to make sure you're getting a little bit of some sunshine for some vitamin D. Or you got a supplement because you, you know, didn't get outside and get some natural vitamin D. You also have to get done whatever your job is. You also maybe have to get some cooking and cleaning done. If you're a parent, you have to look out for the children. If you're a partner, you have to also check in and look out for your relationship and do something. Uh, just think about that alone. And then, you know, we need to move our bodies in some form and exercise. We also might need to be doing some stretching. Um, that's just the bare basics. And then life lovingly <laughs> sprinkles a few things throughout a friend that needs some care or support, maybe the loss of a loved one. Like who knows what else is woven into that? So I'm like dumping more on top of that. And I'm saying we also have to look out for the way we're impacting each other and also our mental and emotional functioning. So 
good luck y'all. <laughs> no, but what happens is these things become routine and we don't necessarily feel the impact of the drain of them in a positive way. Uh, but it's a lot to think about. All that to just say that I appreciate why we aren't always able to just function in a way that centers our, our mental health. You know, <laughs> we have a lot of distractions and things we have to think about and worry about. But for those that want to take on this amazing, important work, because the quality of your life, I say this all the time, and all the longtime listeners of the show or, you know, fans of my work, supporters, I should say, fans as well, let me go that route, uh, you know that the quality of your life, the quality of your mental health is very much impacted by the quality of your practice. So I appreciate that it is what it is. I don't make the rules, but if you aren't focusing on whatever the work is, whatever your quote unquote psychological work is, the quality of your life is going to be impacted as a result of that. You know, I wish it was different. So all that to say tonight's topic, what are the things that children need? Same things adults need. And it really falls into the rubric of what we call attachment theory, which, whoa, that can become a, an amazing academic exploration or rabbit hole that you can get trapped into uh, this dark vortex of hyper interpersonal neurobiological research, which man, deep stuff, but the topical stuff is what's more important. And this was really brought forward. So uh, what was it, a month ago, six weeks ago, two months ago? I'm really bad with chronology. I can't. <laughs> One of the things my brain doesn't do well is place things in, in, in time. Um, you know, people would ask me for the longest time, like, how old your cat? And I would just keep saying three years, five years. She's 11 years old. People would also say, yo, how long have you been living in LA? And I'd say five years or six years. And finally, my ex was like, uh, we moved out of here almost 15 years ago. I, my brain just doesn't really record time well or directions, but we're not going to get into that. Good luck dating me if you, if we want to go on a road trip. Anyway, back to my point. My point was two months ago <laughs> or yesterday, depending on what reality we're living in. I was in the desert, uh, with some friends and one of them is a single father and his daughter, um, is how old is she? Like four or five? And we were talking about what are the components that he really needs to be thinking about? And it was a really beautiful philosophical discussion. There was three therapists there, which is kind of funny. And that was what the discussion was around the campfire. Like what are the things that a parent really needs to think about that are gonna have the most meaningful uh, and transformative impact on, on the child's life, but then also as they usher themselves into adulthood. And um, we're going to talk about what those things are after the break. How about that for a tease? So you all got to stick around. And again, these are the things that you want to think about as a parent for a child, but also as an adult in the world. So we'll be doing that. And we'll be doing some DMs. So uh, got a question for us, topic you want to hit, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, all you got to do is stick around, enjoy the music. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we are back and i love science i love consistency i like when things are easy and we're going to try to break down what is a very very hyper academic and intellectual uh, concept or theory that's utilized in the field of psychology. It's rooted in um, attachment theory, interpersonal neurobiology. Uh, it's a lot of, it's actually the, the culmination of a lot of different fields. There's some somatics in there, somatic psychotherapy, there's emotionally focused therapy in this. So it, it's the um, intersection and uh, alignment of a few different fields. But I was saying before the break that I was out in the desert, which, I don't know if you all have access to the desert, but if you can get yourself out there, it's quite stunning. I, my goodness, I think it's one of those places where you try to do as little as possible because the value and what the desert most provides is, is time for reflection. And that's guided by just the energy that's out there. And I know that's a really vague word and it's a very misused, misunderstood word, but I'll just say that the silence, because I live in LA you don't get silence often. <laughs> There's always a siren, a helicopter, or whatever going on. But you go out into the desert, it's completely silent. And there's not even movement. So it's fascinating for a city boy like me. I've lived in Philadelphia, New York City, and now LA. And um, so I'm used to just constant sound, constant movement, constant colors. And, and the desert is no sound, no movement, and it's not a lot of distinct colors. It's pretty monochromatic, depending on where you are and where we were. It's just, it sounds very ugly, but it's not. It was just brown. And you, depending on where you might go, you can see the snow-capped mountains. You can see the windmills out towards um, Palm Springs. 
and uh, all sorts of things. But where we were, we were in the deep desert. So it's just, like I said, very still. And what that allows for is a lot of time with self and the generation of a lot of connection to feelings and thoughts in your body. It's unlike anything else. It's almost like a form of sensory deprivation, but not in a claustrophobic sense because I would never survive being put in one of those sensory tanks where you're, you know, covered and floating in water. I'm too claustrophobic. But anyway, I'm rambling. The desert's amazing. If you can find a way to get out there, please do so as often as possible. And you go out there trying to do as little as possible. I, I Please don't go out there doing, you know, using alcohol and things like that and playing music. Yeah, there's a place and space for that. But I think that actually takes away what the desert most has to offer. If you're going to just get intoxicated and play music and all that, you can go anywhere and do that. Um, I want people to just kind of let themselves align with the, the, the beautiful absence and lack that the desert has. Anyway, I, I make no money off of that, but, uh, Joshua tree, Palm Springs, Zion. I don't, I don't know where you where y'all live, but get out to the desert. Okay. So there we are in the desert and we're sitting at a campfire and a friend of mine, all amazing human beings, such an amazing experience because, I mentioned this on the show very quickly. Uh, Dr. D had a very traumatic experience happen over New Year's, also going through a long-term relational breakup. The culmination of those two things has been really not awesome on my mental health. So went out to the desert for some healing and restoration. Definitely got it. Went out there with the right people. And one of my friends was talking about being a single father, the single father of a child who can't remember the age, three or four. Um, And we were talking about what are the qualities that are most important. And I was saying, you know, I think backwards, meaning what are the things that the adults I work with in my clinical practice, what are the things that they are struggling with that I wish had been instilled or taught to them in their childhood that had been absent? And they, of course, do not pick it up along the way because the people they're dating and socializing with are no further along or better off um, generally. And so now as adults, I'm seeing it still in them and it's what's creating problems in their own adult relationships and also their relationships with their children. And I'm trying to help prevent Um, it being transmitted by being pushed forward into their children, but also trying to resolve it in their adult relationships so that the quality of those can improve. Okay, I feel like I'm giving a lot of backstory. Y'all are drinking the Kool-Aid already, so we don't need to go any deeper into that. And it's a few simple things. And we're gonna dive deeper, but the general general one, that's number one, because we're gonna hit a few of them, and I'm not gonna make them numerical because that's not good radio, (laughs) so you're gonna have to just kind of pull them out. I'll highlight them. But one of the first ones is safety. And we all want that. And that's, and that's a really big word. There's a lot of things that fall under the umbrella of a term like safety. But I want us to just sit with that word. We need to feel safe. And this is the adult child part that we're starting with. And the reason why that's important is because when we are feeling unsafe, we're going to just use that word, our system is trying to then protect us. It is not trying to learn. And by learning, I mean the ability to make sense of what's happening around you, get insight from it, and then essentially encode, store, or internalize that, make it your own to then be able to be changed by it and and move forward as someone different or apply that skill set. In order to learn, you have to feel safe, which is why another little soundbite, another little Dr. D soundbite, is we wanna connect before we correct. Now, as I said, these are all adult skills as well. So as I'm saying parent and child, please also say adult and adult. Please also say husband and wife, boyfriend and boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend and boyfriend, whatever, you know, poly, open, non monogamy whatever you're doing, doesn't matter how many people are in the style, same terms. So again, if you are with your adult partner, they also, as do you, want to feel safe. And one of the first ways we do that 
is we connect before we correct. We connect before we critique. We connect before we try to start or begin a difficult conversation, especially with children. Otherwise, we go immediately into a defensive mode. Uh, in terms of our nervous system, in terms of our psyche, and also in terms of what you're gonna see us overtly displaying with our behavior. And unless we feel safe, we are not able to do the work or to hear what someone is saying. And that's why therapy is such a powerful place because the hope is that although therapy is challenging, although therapy is difficult, although therapy is often a mirror being held up, it's also first and foremost a safe space that is just about focusing on you and your healing. And we can create that in all of our different relationships and we have to. All right, we're gonna come back and keep talking about safety and more importantly, what are the things that a child needs from an adult that are the same things that an adult needs from another adult. I love consistency, it makes things easy. Little sound bites we take with us. So stick around, don't go anywhere, y'all, okay? Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all, so don't go anywhere. Oh, Rachel, we're back. Talking about what are the things that I wish children had been given, skills they had been taught, perspectives that uh, I see in adults. And this is born out of an experience I had where someone was asking me as a parent, like, yo, what are the things I need to make sure I'm doing with my kid? And I said, all right, well, let me talk about what are the things that I wish the adults in my clinical practice had been taught and told and, and, and the, the, the family unit I wish they'd been raised in and we'll kind of work backwards. And all the parenting research, if you do gentle parenting, attachment-based parenting and all those different, what I think are the best forms. Um, we're not trying to punish. We're not trying to let children self-soothe. We're not trying to use discipline. Those are all things that are often internalized as traumas. I'm gonna let y'all do your own you know, parenting research. But we're talking about safety and how you need to connect before you correct. And that's the first thing I always say. I, I think I told this to y'all a long time ago, but I remember when I was a kid and my dad needed to have a difficult conversation or yell at me or whatever, <laughs> but let's just put it all under the heading of not, not something that I really wanted to have to talk about or hear about. He would say, I need to talk to you later tonight, or I need to talk to you, come into the office. Cause my dad had an office in our home. Not, not that he saw patients in, but it was like his, you know, whatever, where he did his paperwork. And imagine, imagine what happens the minute I hear that it spikes my defensiveness, my panic, my anxiety. And all of a sudden I'm shutting down and I'm not going to go in there able to absorb or, or hear what's being said. And I'm going to go into fight or flight, maybe even freeze, maybe even fawn, you know, but I'm going to go into some kind of defensive protective mode. Um, that's a horrible way. You need to connect first. Like first off, don't ever tell someone I need to talk to you later tonight unless you have to plan it. But like if you all cohabitate and you're gonna to be together, you don't need to give them a panicky heads up. That's actually quite unkind. So what he should have done is just later at night when there I am, because we live together, said something like, hey, can I talk to you for a moment? And with a softness. And then his first statement should have been something like, how's your night going? Or how was your day? Or you know, I saw you're watching a movie. Tell me a little bit about it and connecting with me first. And then I'm going to settle down and I'm going to feel safe. And then he can swoop into what he needs to talk to me about. Okay. So that's the first piece because we all need to feel safe because remember our psyches, our nervous system in our youth, it's being developed and whatever happens at that time during that phase is going to shape our nervous systems, our brains, and our responses emotionally and psychologically and how safe we feel within relationships. So what you're doing as a parent with a child is you're starting to communicate to them, conflict doesn't have to be scary. Intimacy doesn't have to be scary. You're helping them learn how to tolerate, critique, 
and the sharing of something and you're helping them realize that relationships don't have to be punishing or harmful or harsh. So we're just starting at the very beginning because as adults, we have to with friends, coworkers, family members and partners often say things like, hey, we need to talk about something within our relationship or I need to share with you something that occurred and how he's made to feel and I wanna process that. And we have to have the ability to talk about that but a lot of people, the minute they hear someone say, can I talk to you for a moment or we need to talk about our relationship, they, they panic, they get defensive. That's a result of their childhood, having never had a safe experience of those moments. And it's on the parents to really structure that. Um, but there's, there's more important ones. Uh, safety is like the global framework within which all of these things happen. Um, but the first one I really, really wish people had was the ability to sit with and process emotions, which means the ability to talk about them, label them, and feel safe within them. No emotions are shamed, no emotions are illegitimized, no emotions are denied, they're all allowed. Hey, it looks like you had a hard day. Hey, you, you, I can tell that you're very angry. Hey, I can tell that I've let you down or disappointed you. That's okay, let's talk about that. Versus saying, you're not allowed to be angry, you're not allowed to be disappointed, get over it, You know, toughen up, knock it off, go upstairs and play a video game. All these things that basically say, other people aren't here for you. Emotions aren't acceptable or safe. Uh, other people aren't going to be there to process these things with you. And then what do you think happens later in adulthood when we have to have these important conversations with all the people in our sphere? Um, well, we're not approachable. And then we will stonewall. We will get dysregulated. Uh, we don't have those capacities. So that's really, really important. But that really bumps into also the ability to be co-regulated. And that basically means that as a child, they do not have the skills to soothe or regulate themselves. And that's why it's really upsetting when parents talk about the kids crying themselves to sleep or crying themselves until they settle down. The kids aren't settling down, they're giving up and they're realizing no one's there for me. I can't turn to someone else, I'm on my own. And they become avoidant, that's what's happening. Or when the child gets yelled at because they're struggling emotionally, your, your kid is not trying to manipulate you. Your kid doesn't know better. And I brought this up on the show before. The parent can't expect from the child what the parent themselves isn't able to do. I watch the parent be dysregulated as they're telling the child to stop being dysregulated. You don't even know how to do it. And your child's supposed to learn it from you by watching you and by you helping them through it. So you have to be able to be calm first. I want parents to be able to center themselves. And then they can transmit to the child so that as an adult, they can handle that and they don't push that forward. All right, we're gonna come back and do some DMs and then we're gonna get back into all this. I'm gonna try to actually itemize it so that there's kind of more of a framework and a takeaway. So anyway, we'll be back, DMs coming. Stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Sliding into the DMs. Time to slide into those DMs. This one says, hey Dr. Chris, Love and listen to you every day. Oh, thanks. You said I'm in a marriage of 18 years. Congratulations. It's a very long time to pull off a uh, primary relationship. It's beautiful. What can I do to work towards making a positive of our anniversary day that was special? It doesn't feel like it's a special day for him. I stepped out of our marriage a few months ago, but we've been working towards being better since then with therapy and practice almost every day. So before I move further into your question, I just want to call that out. I think that's beautiful. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people see stepping out or infidelity as a complete deal breaker. And what I really want it to be is a moment for a couple to sit down and say, listen, 
bad decisions were made, but let's look at the marriage that we put together, the relationship, and talk about whether or not um, we should continue this. Let, let me share as the person who stepped out what that meant and what the symbolism of that was because you know, we have a wealth of options available to us to deal with whatever it was you were dealing with, and that is a very painful option or choice to choose to you know cheat. But I think there's a lot of growth and transformation that can come out of it. Um, it shouldn't be the worst thing that's ever happened. Yes, it erodes at trust and trust can be rebuilt. And um, a lot of closeness can happen, you know, and once infidelity occurs, the question is, are we going to renew and reconnect? And as a result of that, really make some powerful necessary changes? Or are we going to release and move on? Um, so I think a lot of important conversation can come out of that. Back to what you said though. You said, even before cheating, I'd been vocal about past anniversaries, had made plans, but it would end up feeling like a disappointment every year. And that's a bummer. I think the longer we're in something, we can start to maybe take it for granted. And that's why I always say that long-term happy couples are always staying in the courtship cycle. They are always attracting each other. They are always romancing each other. They are always flirting with each other. And then if we stay in that system, well, then it never drifts. If we stay within it, we're never on the outside of it. So do make sure everyone that we, we prioritize that and we kind of bring that back in. Also remember that, you know, it's okay for us to create the kind of relationship we want. So if you want anniversaries or holidays to be special, it's okay for you to make it that in that way and say, Hey, listen, I made dinner plans, all that, but also let your partner know how important it is to you that we make that you make a meaning out of that anniversary. So I'd want you to share with your partner, hey, listen, it seems as though the longer we go in our marriage, we don't really take the time to use anniversaries to celebrate who we are, what we've done, who we want to be. Can we continue to? Because I think sometimes it's just about revitalizing what we already have and um, deciding to start to be the couple that does that. At any point, you can circle back and start to do that. But back to your question, you said, I feel that now more than ever. It's I'd like to celebrate us, but I'm wondering if it's just a waste of time and if I should focus my energy somewhere else. What can I do to make it a positive, at least for myself, so I don't feel miserable? I want to keep fighting, but I just don't know. Keep fighting. Um, this relationship obviously is important to you. If after all that's happened, after 18 years, it's still something that you, quote, say, I want to keep fighting for, do that. I would sit down with your partner and say, listen, we've really let our priorities go. We haven't really centered us as a couple. And I want to start to do that. And listen, listen non-judgmentally, non-critically to what your partner has to share. Say to them, hey, what can I do or what can I stop doing that would make that special to you again? And share with your partner what they can do or not do that would start to make it special. And say, you know, let's celebrate the holidays, Valentine's Day, our anniversary. Let's really take that time to honor what we've built and what we have. And I also think in renewing, you can look back and say, look, here's who I don't want to be again as a partner. And here's who I do want to be again. That's your own individual work, looking back at who you've been and who you want to keep being or who you don't want to be. But making it special for yourself, I think that an anniversary is about the relationship. And so I do think it involves um, participation from your partner in that. Um, so bring it up. I think there's something really beautiful in the vulnerability of saying, I want us to celebrate each other more and celebrate that day. But bigger than that, I think it's great that you're working through. And as long as you're accountable and you do the work that's necessary to rebuild that trust, um, you can have a really beautiful relationship ahead of you. So I hope that's inspiring to a lot of people. All right, y'all, that um, is our DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, things you want us to answer, always anonymous, always confidential. Helping others as you're helping yourself. Maybe there's a topic you want us to hit, circle back or drop deeper into. You can also put that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, past episodes of the show, because you got to unlearn and relearn. They're podcasted. 
Um, it's all about that repetition. Quality of your practice is the quality of your life. And uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down the For Love line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Otherwise, stick around because we got a whole lot more to come. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. Stick around. We got a whole lot more to come. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back. Talking about the things that I wish children were taught. Based on what I see people struggle with as adults in my practice, uh, wishing that, you know, some of these things had been dealt with, resolved, or done differently. Talking about the uh, acceptability of emotional expression. Like, hey, you're allowed to feel whatever emotion you want to feel. There are no negative or bad emotions. They're, they're, they're all healthy. They're all appropriate. We're trying to feel a full range of, you know, of emotions and to feel them all deeply. We're not trying to always be happy or positive, so we don't want to communicate that. And we also want to know that we can go to another person as a child and adult and that they'll, they'll be the calm one. They'll be an anchor when we're struggling to process, talk it out, or, or, or ground ourselves. But there's a bigger one. And we were also talking about safety, but one of the biggest ones is, so we kind of talked a little bit about emotional regulation. That's so vital because a lot of adults I'm working with are so easily upset and dysregulated they, because their parents were. But the other one is the ability, well, not even the ability, let's just first speak to the, um, uh, the acceptance that this is even a thing, the acceptance that this even exists, repair. And then we'll talk about the ability to even repair. But what, what I'm still seeing all the time is that people think when a frustration or disappointment occurs or a disagreement that we immediately go into battle, me against you, talked about this often on the show before, and we think that it's about figuring out who's correct, someone has to win, someone's vision or perspective or memory has to be right, and they forget that what we're really trying to do is repair. Uh, that's on the other side of it. That when we've finished sharing, because we're connecting before we correct, that's always gonna smooth this over a little bit, but people come in hot instead. They get into their battle. Who's gonna be correct? Whose vision or whose experience is gonna win? And then people are left feeling bad, let down, disconnected, all sorts of things. And we, we, we leave it or we just let time go by and we pop out of the blue and just kind of act like nothing happened. We don't know how to repair, but a lot of people don't even realize that word is a necessary step. I guess that's my point, that that step is somehow ignored. And that's the most vital part of all of this because we're throughout the duration of our lives going to have disappointments, frustrations, and conflict and disagreements with people. But it can't always end with us losing that person or losing safety with that person. So one of the most vital experiences that a child can have with a parent is frustration, disagreement, or conflict, and see that we cannot agree or not get alone, get along in an instant, and we can still maintain our relationship then and also after. That it doesn't mean we don't like each other anymore. That it doesn't mean that this relationship is over. That it doesn't mean you're not gonna hear from me. But that's what happens. And we still do that as adults. You're upset with a friend and you give them a silent treatment. You're upset with a friend and maybe you never talk again. You're upset with a friend and you allow, after that disagreement or frustration, um, dis-ease to exist. And no, we have to learn how to wrap it up. 
not necessarily always even resolve, but wrap it up and say, hey, that was a really hard discussion, so I'm still upset with you based on what happened, but I still love you. The person you were that I loved seconds before this frustrating conversation began, you are still that person, and I have to hold and connect to both. It's called being a whole object, not a part object. We prefer to see someone as all good or all bad, and it's one or the other. We have to hold both. Wow, honey, that was a really hard conversation. And we're going to have to pick it up again tomorrow or whatever it is. I, I, I felt a little bad about, you know, how that went. But um, we have the rest of the evening. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Great. Let's go get some food. We're not brushing it under the uh, under this rug, but we're, we're, we're holding both. And we have to be able to do that repair. So it's like in a really difficult couples therapy session, I have to say to the couple, now that was really hard. And unfortunately, we have to stop because our time is up. What can you both go do now that helps you reconnect, honoring what just happened, but also honoring that you're still married and still love each other? And how can you do some repair? Which doesn't mean going back to the topic. It means how can we just reconnect, knowing that what happened just happened, but we don't have to live it. We don't have to feel from it. We can transition out and let's hold hands and go for a walk. Let's go get some ice cream. Uh, whatever it is, you have to figure out what that repair is, but we have to do that with ch children as well. Not send them off to their room and then ignore them all night. That's why punishment doesn't work. It just makes them avoid something maybe based on fear, but it doesn't teach them a relational skill. So it should be like, hey, I got to talk to you. You know, I found out that you lied to me. Here's why you know, and you get into it and then you say, okay, now that, you know, we had that, I know it was a hard conversation. Let's go get ice cream. Let's go watch our favorite show together. Let's go play a board game. Or I know it's time for you to do your homework and afterwards we'll do dinner and then we can have a fun conversation at dinner. We're holding both. That's what repair means. Not necessarily resolving, not necessarily getting, getting it all figured out, but knowing that we have to stay connected because it's all about the connection and that has to matter more than the content or the topic. And often it doesn't. And that's a really important skill because as adults, I see them not sure what to do when they're having a difficult time with their friend, a coworker, a family member, or their partner. And they're like, well, that went bad. So I feel like I have to like hold you to that and hate you. And it's like, no, how do you come back together? How do you do that repair? So important. We have to circle back in that way. Um, all right, we're going to come back and keep talking about this. We'll be doing some DMs later. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, you know the drill. We'll be back though, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, we're learning about ourselves. We're, we're learning about what we didn't get. We're learning about what we need. We're learning about what we need to bring into all the relationships in our lives as parents to children, as adults with other adults. It's all the same stuff, you know what I mean? It's about emotional regulation, which we need to be taught. And if as adults we don't know how to do that, we need a partner to help co-regulate us, which is what a kid needs. Kid is not born with regulatory skills. They need an adult to say, hey, you look sad. That feeling, that's sadness, and that's okay. Well, you look angry, and that's okay, but here's how we manage it. We don't act it out. We don't hit someone or throw something, and I can still love you, and you can also be mad at me. I know you're mad at me, you say to your, ch your kid, but I still love you, and you still love me, and we can do both. You know. So tell me what you're feeling, and we get down on their level, and we connect before we correct. So if we have to give them a, a, hard, <laughs> a hard drop of something that went wrong or bad, we connect first. You know, we don't just come in hot. And then we were also talking about the fact that we have to repair. We have to know how to reconnect after a really difficult disconnecting moment experience or discussion because we don't want relationships to end over those moments because we have to be able to have those moments because those are the moments where vulnerability and intimacy is built. I, I say all the time that a couple 
cannot determine how healthy their relationship will be, and they cannot learn the most about the robustness or uh, uh, health of their relationship until they've had a conflict, until they've seen how they as a couple manage conflict. Because if as a couple, you never have conflict, I'm scared, because that should be happening, but more importantly, if you don't manage it well, good luck, good luck. We, we wanna create relationships where we manage conflict well, and that's what we really look for to understand what we can really do within this relationship and how well it's gonna go. We have to be able to manage conflict, but that's a skill we don't have as children. In fact, I see it so dramatically mis, um, mishandled, I guess is the word. I don't know what else to, how, what else to call that, where people put people on blast, they're upset with someone's IG post and they attack. People do not know how to deal with conflict, disappointment, and frustration. I see it on my page. I post something that someone doesn't alike or agree with instead of just, I don't know, minding their own business and saying this post doesn't relate to me clearly or I don't agree and moving on with their lives. They think that the appropriate and acceptable thing to do is to start attacking because we somehow think that if we don't agree, we're upset about something, attack versus ignoring it or saying something like, oh, wow, I never heard it said like that. That was really hard to hear, not necessarily in my experience and, and having a, an adult conversation about it. But we don't know how to do that because as adults, we often don't teach that to children. We tell them to stop it. We tell them to knock it off. We say, because I said so, because I'm the adult. There is no learning or skill building at all in that. It's actually a misuse of power. And what you're training the child to understand is there are people in positions of power that owe you nothing, don't have to in any way honor relationship, don't have to have any sense of empathy or compassion, and you're disempowered and your needs and thoughts don't matter. And I'm going to assert all of that over you and you're going to be silenced by it. Like, are you kidding? Don't be your parent. Don't be your kid's first bully. Don't be your, your kid's first power hungry you know, controlling figure because they're going to, they're going to get that at work. Cause that's what happens in a lot of work structures is that dehumanization, right? So you want to at least let them know, like your thoughts do matter. And even as a child, your thoughts and feelings matter. And, and, and you want to gravitate toward the, towards those people. And you want to help them apply that and offer that to others as well. So that when we're an adult, we don't carry that forward and create issues with that. Um, the other thing is boundaries. Um, I want kids to be taught that boundaries are acceptable even as a child because a lot of adults I work with, at some point, we have to cover all of these things. I don't think in 20 years I've worked with a client where we didn't at some point have to talk about emotional regulation, where we didn't have to talk about the power of co-regulation, where we didn't have to talk about the importance of repair, and where we didn't have to talk about boundaries, what they are and our right to apply them with everyone. There is no one in your life that you shouldn't be able to set a boundary with, no one. But yet we set up these vertical power structures where we are led to believe that there are certain people that are allowed to be boundaryless with us. But that's not true. You're allowed to set a boundary with everyone. But remember, boundaries are two pieces. Boundaries protect us from other people and boundaries also protect other people from us. And we have to be aware of both. But you're allowed to set a boundary with anyone and everyone. Hey, I'm gonna stop you. The way you're talking to me doesn't feel good. Or hey, I'm going to stop you. This is starting to feel abusive or unkind. Or hey, unfortunately, I have to tell you no, and I know that's gonna be disappointing. We have to be able to advocate for ourselves. Children should be able to set boundaries with adults in an appropriate way. But I want kids to be able to say, you know, that's not something I'm comfortable talking about, or I don't want to be touched in that way. We have to train our children to understand that. Even stepping outside the sexual assault piece, which by the way, like 75% of sexual assaults occur with someone the child or the individual knows. It is not some scary individual in the bushes. It's uh, it's a friend, family member, or colleague. 70 to 75% of assaults are someone we know. So it's imperative 
that children and adults know how to set boundaries with people in their own lives. Imperative, because that's the site of a lot of sexual and physical abuse and verbal and emotional. I mean, it's really hurtful for a child to be verbally or emotionally abused by a parent told your feelings don't matter, name called, belittled, put down, and that's why they don't know how to take care of themselves. That becomes familiar and they end up in abusive relationships or as abusers themselves. And then I work with the adults that still don't know how to do that. And I have to teach them that they have a right to let people down and, and say no, that they can say no to everyone in any way, that it's okay for them to sometimes put their needs first and to say, and these are always my favorite examples, I don't know why I go to these, but say something like, I know I told you I could, I don't know, you know, go to your birthday party, but something important came up and I can't make it, but I love you, or I'm no longer able to take you to the airport something came up, you know, within reason, of course, and within compassion and kindness, I want us to put ourselves out for people, but sometimes we have to say no. It's a very hard thing to do. You have to learn that as a child, when to apply it, how to apply it, <clears throat> and also be shown that people will say, okay. One of the most beautiful things I say to my friends, and I know it's a little therapist-y, and I know for some people they're gonna roll their eyes, but it's important to me. <laughs> I'll say to friends when they set a boundary, whether I like it or not, thank you for taking care of yourself. And I say, yes, I don't push back on it. If they're like, hey, listen, I know I was gonna come to your, I don't know, book reading, but um, you know, I don't know, I, my, my, I'm going through a breakup and, I, and I'm not feeling so great and I can't attend. I'm like, I'm bummed out, man, I'm really bummed out. I wanted you to be there, but thank you for taking care of yourself. And that lets them know that boundaries work and, that, and also healthy people accept boundaries. All right, we'll be back. We're gonna keep talking about this. Don't go anywhere. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, we'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, just wrapping up our discussion about all the things that adults struggle with that I wish they'd learned as youths and adolescents and children. And uh, But again, it's not parent blaming. Parents do the best they can based on the way they were raised. It's the, you know, we keep pushing things forward and that's why we're trying to kind of interrupt that cycle and we're stopping what we call the intergenerational transmission of these problematic things. But also we're reparenting ourselves as adults by now stepping into and learning and internalizing the things that we weren't given, that we are responsible for, whether we got it or not. You know, we are responsible for the way we're moving through the world. And with technology, we have a wealth of resources available, books on tape, books, websites, Instagram pages, teletherapy, apps for therapy, all sorts of things, you know? We gotta step into that work of being better than you know, who we are now. So we're talking about needing more emotional support, co-regulation, needing figures in our lives that help us learn how to regulate and self-soothe. We were talking about the importance of repair after a difficult conversation or a difficult time because relationships mean the most. Talking about connect before you correct so that you create a sense of safety because all of this is bound up in the sense of I need to feel safe in my relationships. Talking about the importance of boundaries, knowing what they are, how to set them, and practicing setting them with everyone and anyone. No one is beyond or, a, yeah, no one is better than a boundary being set with them. We have to learn how to do that with people in positions of authority, starting with being a child with a parent, talking about who touches us and how they touch us and you know what we're, what we're discussing. And even as adults, I remind adults, hey, whether married or not, you still get to have boundaries and privacy. Yeah, that's right. Your partner, just because they're married to you or in a long-term relationship doesn't have a right to go through your phone or your diary or demand access to information. You have a right to say, hey, that's personal or that's private. 
within health. Like there's a, there's a misuse of that concept, but there's also a very healthy concept. Well, let's keep some things for ourselves. Even as a therapist, I've said that to, to clients. You don't necessarily have to reveal all information. You have a right to say, you know what? I'm not prepared or ready to reveal or share that. Or, or I'm never going to, and I wanna keep that just for myself. If it's rooted in shame, I wanna explain that to them and help them maybe understand that it could be better for them to work through and work with, but sometimes it isn't. And it's a healthy expression of a boundary. And we honor that. We, we talk about why it's necessary, but we don't always have to get into the material. And then here's the last one, authenticity. Being shown that you are okay as you are. You don't need to be anything other than you are. Yes, you need to be aware of how you're impacting others. And yes, there's such a concept as mental health and care and compassion out in the world, but at the core, you're allowed to be whatever gender you are, you're allowed to be whatever sexual orientation you are, um, your feelings are valid, your needs are valid, I see you, I respect you, I might not agree, but, but, but I still see you and I respect you. And children need that from birth, that you are okay as you are. Um, I remember moments through my childhood, and I think my parents pretty much A minus or B plus it. You know, they did pretty damn good, especially based on what they were going through and how they were raised because don't forget adults and parents, their lives are in motion. And while parenting, they're also dealing with whatever's happening in their adult life and whatever's being triggered from their time as a child within a family system. All of those forces coming together. So often parents are doing the best they can. But we, what we need to really do is instill that sense of self-esteem and self-worth, which is an outside job. Self-esteem and self-worth is not an inside job. It's an outside job. It's the reflection back of our worth, the accumulation of people reflecting back our worth or telling us the opposite. We are relational beings, and we want to be in family systems and relational systems where we are reminded that. And that's why I talk to couples, and I say, stop finding every moment that you can critique your partner and instead start finding lots of moments where you can celebrate them and compliment them. And if you don't wanna do that or you're not willing to do that, you need to get into some couples therapy because you got some anger issues or resentments or you're toxic and you need to get out of that relationship because you're, you're not good for them. So check yourself. For, if, if When I say celebrate your partner, express gratitude, compliment more, if you're like, no, I would never, they don't deserve that, you got work to do. But children absolutely need that. That's not narcissism. What we're talking about is you are valid and acceptable as you are. Yes, you make mistakes. Yes, you do things wrong. Yes, we need to talk about all that. But at your core, just inherently, because you are a human, you have worth and value. And I don't want parents to be the child's first bully or bigot by shaming their trans identity, shaming their fluid gender expression, shaming their sexuality, shaming whatever career or whatever hobby or whatever attribute or artistic whatever that makes sense to them. You know, guide them, but they're not there to live the life that you want them to live. They're not there to live life for you. It's not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your desires. It's not about your needs. You are there for them. Center them. Authenticity is so powerful. I, I, I don't know that I have ever really worked with an adult who is able to fully occupy the totality of who they were in all spaces and all places at all times. And I'm still, as an adult, working on that, being my full and total self at all times with all people. I don't care who you are. You will get my authenticity and I try to bring that to everyone. And it starts in childhood. And I didn't get that. And that's why I have to keep working on it. That's where my parents failed. I told that famous story of them telling me you cannot come out to dinner with us if you're wearing all black because I was a punk rock goth kid <laughs> and they were constantly challenging those pieces of myself. Even though I was a good kid, I harmed no one, you know, but yet, I, I did internalize that certain parts of me are unacceptable and that leaks. It definitely leaks and it spreads. 
All right, coming up next, some DMs. Got questions, topics, drop them in there. Otherwise, stick around and uh, enjoy the jams. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Rachel, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, is holiday depression a real thing? Growing up, I never heard a great holiday. Growing up, I never had a great holiday experience. Mostly came with family fighting, jealousy, crying. Now that I'm an adult, I find it really hard to get excited about holidays. Yep, holiday depression is a thing. Look, we can have, based on any historical experiences, a very depressive lens or perspective. Uh, or a lot of triggers that lead us to that. And that's why we gotta be very thoughtful. Like holidays for everyone aren't joyous. Remember that. Um, for some, it's about being around people that are toxic or unsafe. For others, like the person who authored this question, it's a reminder of how they've been in the past. It's a bummer because it's supposed to be fun. That's what I keep saying. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be celebration, socialization. And unfortunately, sometimes it isn't, and we're forced to be around people we don't want to be. So is seasonal depression a thing? Yes. Is holiday depression a thing? Yes. All kind of driven and guided by, at times, similar things. Uh, but remember that every year we have the capacity of doing it differently this year. We have the capacity to decide we want to change how we feel about it in the future. Maybe spend it with different people. Maybe try to have it lower stakes. 
maybe don't invite some of the more problematic people. I don't know exactly what the problems have been in the past, but hold space for the idea that in the future it could shift and change. It really sounds like you need a corrective experience. You need to have a few holidays where they are good and all does go well to start to buy in and believe that that can happen to then start to see it that way. So if you want the holidays to have a different feel to them, um, you have to kind of set the structure and the people that are there a little differently. Uh, we have time for another one. This one says, uh, hey, Dr. Chris, my best friend is spiraling out of control and I don't really know how to help. He broke up with his girlfriend six months ago. Since then, he's put on at least 50 pounds, drinks every day, doesn't admit to drug use, but I know that he's on some sort of substance every day. Not close with his family, but I think I'm watching him lose it and I don't know what to do. This is hard. We can't change people's behavior and we can't force people to do anything, including getting sober or getting into therapy. All we can do is accept where people are at or try to positively influence them. So the number one thing I say is that unless this person... Uh, unless their continued presence in your life is toxic or bad for you, then stay in their life. People that are struggling need positive influences and positive supports around them as much as possible. And you can lovingly just keep saying, I'm worried about you, but you want to present in a way that makes them safe, letting you know what's going on with them. If you judge or if you shame, they won't do that. If you tell them they have to get sober, they won't do that. All you can say is, hey, um, you know, again, I wanted to talk about what I think is happening with you. There are resources available. Uh, I'm scared for what's happening. Let me know if you need my help. And if your friend says, I'm good, no thank you, then you got to let it go. Because if every time you see them, you make it about that or bring it up or make them feel bad, they won't come around you. And this person needs anchors and positive people in his life. So one or two times, you can lovingly reflect that you're worried about what they're doing. And if they're like, I'm good, then you have to let it go. But don't leave them. We need people to have us kept in their life. Also, maybe a harm reduction model could work where not everyone's needing or wanting to get sober. Just because maybe they're using a lot doesn't mean they need to completely stop using. Maybe they just need to use like an adult. And you could talk to them about taking, you know, you can talk about harm reduction practices, which I'll actually do a whole show on. I don't want to just quickly in 30 seconds kind of ramble off what they are, but it's about using safer, using less, using differently. But more importantly, like I said, you can't force anyone to do anything, especially not get sober, especially not get into therapy. Those are things individuals have to want to do, but you can remind them what's available. You can support them and keep uh, showing up as a positive, safe space. Judging or criticizing doesn't make anyone change. Neither does telling them that you'll leave if they don't either. Um, in fact, when people lose all their supports, they tend to amplify their use because they're now more lonely, more depressed, et cetera, et cetera. But I empathize because it is hard to watch someone we care about making some bad decisions, but that's sometimes just how it goes. So offer resources, let them know you're concerned, show up as a safe space. They can process whatever's going on with them. Um, and otherwise, you just got to stick around and love them anyway as they're struggling. More of that during the holidays. It's rough. All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. Always anonymous, always confidential. And uh, it's our DMs, Loveline IG page. Otherwise, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff. Otherwise, y'all, that's our show. Great spending time with you. Always happy to be a part of your journey. Let's be kind to ourselves, but more importantly, those around us. Thanks for letting me hang out with you all. Have a good rest of your night. See you soon. Good night, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.